boy, oh boy. It's time to really lay down the law. We have two titans of the industry. Well, not the teen titans, too, but just truly titans of the industry. I love your sense of style, by the way. And we're going to pit them against each other in a knockdown drag out fight to see who's best. Is it going to be Marvel? Is it going to DC? Have I mentioned how much I love your sense of style? Uh, and they're going to battle it out to see who is truly the number one, because surely there's not going to be some other solution where they have to work together to solve it. We're talking about Marvel Comics versus DC from 1996. It's got a pretty good style. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to your new favorite podcast. My name is Drew. I am joined here by my good buddy, Miles. How are you, buddy? I am excited. I'm so pumped to... <laughs> I think this is going to be a lot of fun because not only are we going to be going into a a rare major crossover between two of the biggest comic book entities in the history of comics the two biggest but, at least as we're speaking here in 2021 historically sh- sure yeah absolutely i mean Fawcett may come back who knows <laughs> um but i think this gives us an opportunity to kind of really more than anything talk nerdy talk about some of these uh matchups and these characters because this is something that people have been doing at lunch tables for decades and it isn't just a oh spider-man meets superman like we did last year or batman with you know taking on some aliens this is the entire marvel universe versus the entire dc universe and you know it's it's honestly it's incredible this this project happened i think it only could have happened the time it it, it was released in but it's just wild that something like this even exists for sure. And this is a four issue series. We are only covering the first two issues today. So we have we have the whole scorecard of what of, of who's going to fight who. And we have the answers to some of those from these issues. But I want to go on record with theories before we move on to next week. Yeah, because you've never read this, correct? I've never read this before, but I got some ideas. I got some ideas. Awesome. Oh, no, no. This is exciting for me because I, I read this as it came out uh, back in, in the early night or the mid 90s. And I remember being at a comic shop where, on, on, a, on the day these came out and everyone kind of buzzing and seeing like what they thought was going to be you know, who they thought was going to win and, and people debating and people filling out their little ballot cards. And it was it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I bet. I mean, it was 1996. Well, let's let's actually let's get into the history of it. Uh, we got some some history is back, you guys. So in 1996, comics were in trouble with a capital T, which rhymes mm-hmm. with P, which stands for poor sales. Sales were in a free fall and retailers were hurting badly everyone needed a surefire hit 
DC versus Marvel began initially as a series of secret meetings held in the apartment of Marvel editor Mark Greenwald, along with Mike Carlin, who had recently moved from Marvel to DC. But when he was with Marvel, he served as Greenwald's assistant. Uh, And they also brought in writers Ron Mars and Peter David. This was a passion project. They wanted to have it all set up before anything was approved. So and this is according to Ron Mars. Most of the basic plot and the specific battles were decided upon in this meeting. And when they asked about the legal headache of a crossover uh, that that something like that could cause a series editor, Chris Duffy answered, "Eh, not that I recall. We were trying to create something that would get a lot of eyes on books. The market was in a collapse at the time. Carlin and Greenwald were best friends and both in charge of their respective rival universes. They really saw it as a coming together and not a rivalry. God, I wish that was still the attitude. I know. I wish it was still the attitude so badly. I mean, just imagine. Like, if if those companies still got along and. I understand when you have film franchises and stuff that it, it might be a, a little more difficult to navigate, but we've gotten a Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated movie. These things are possible. That's true. Now, the Ninja Turtles are in the kind of their own. They they are. They're they're much more independent. Um, but still, I mean, if one, if you haven't seen that that particular movie, please do. It's excellent. But that that sort of thing I could see living if these two companies still were able to to exist or coexist in that sort of thing. I love that this came from a place of love of comics. Yeah. That is very much in the spirit I would want something like this to go. And so uh, in terms of how this was, you know, parsed out, the writing duties were split between Ron Mars and Peter David. Uh, Mars represented the, the DC side at the, t- at the time, and he wrote issues one and three, while David was the, the Marvel writer taking over for issues two and four. And David said that Mars had wanted to do one because, you know, the first issue. And he wanted to do three because that was the highly publicized issue where the fans decided the outcomes of the battle. I was the opposite. I didn't want number one because it was principally a lot of introduction. And I didn't want number three because I was concerned the fan choices would be idiotic, which (laughs) that sounds like Peter David. (laughs) And, And that's right. There was a fan choice aspect to this series, much like in the way where you can vote whether or not Jason Todd would be killed by the Joker back in the 80s. This this was such a cool idea. I I don't often need a gimmick where, you know, the readers decide. But I think this was a really neat way to execute this particular series in a way so so that, you know, there's no real hurt feelings on the sides of the creators. And, you know, this is what the fans wanted to see. And I think that's pretty cool. It is, but it would make sense that if that was the case, that would extend how long these issues took to to, to get created. But but I don't know, maybe there's something a little more to it than that. Um, so the, the five main event battles, and there are a lot of battles in this, but uh, in fact, some that are not left on the scorecard, sort of sort of uh, uh, what do they call those? Uh, before the big bout they're the uh they're the, the mid cards you got the, the you mid got the, cards um, that's it thank you yeah uh the first issue contained a ballot that fans could fill out and mail in to determine the victor though the results did little to truly affect the overall story 
Uh, Mars explains that we had a pretty good sense of who would win most of them because it was a popularity contest. Batman and Superman were pretty good bets. So were Spider-Man and Wolverine. The only one we weren't sure about was Wonder Woman versus Storm. But we still had to make sure that, that we had two different outcomes ready for each of the five battles. The goal was to do that with having to replace only a page or a few panels of art because we had to go to press as soon as the votes were tallied. That's why Incredible. you see that's why you see a mountain collapsing on top of Superman and the Hulk. Spoiler warning. And then Superman emerging from the rubble. Well, now I know the answer to that one. <laughs> and for that, right. <laughs> we also drew a version with the Hulk emerging from the rubble. Same thing for the Wolverine versus Lobo battle. Their brawl takes them behind a bar and then Wolverine appears from behind the bar and takes a puff on a cigar sitting in an ashtray, which is a little ironic now because we probably couldn't show either one of them smoking today. <laughs> <laughs> I I love I both love and hate how they handled that with just a page of art. I mean, this is how the Jason Todd thing was done, too. So it's it's really, really cool. And it's wild to see how different of of the, the times were, because if this were taking place today, I think there would be no question as to who would who would get the votes in Wonder Woman versus Storm. Yeah, um, the X-Men were massively popular in the 90s. And because of that, Marvel had kind of oversaturated the market. And that was kind of that kind of helped lead to the the bubble bursting in comics as a whole. And the Wonder Woman versus Storm battle is is also extremely well done. It's really interesting. No spoilers. No spoilers. I, I'm, not, I'm not giving you spoilers. I, <laughs> I just think matching. I would have never thought those are the two people I'm going to match up is Wonder Woman and Storm. But if you're thinking in 1996, with the X-Men being massively popular and Storm being such an iconic X-Man, I, I, I think who else who else are you going to put up against Wonder Woman? You really couldn't. There's not really anybody unless you dipped into the Jean Grey camp. And wasn't she dead at the time? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. What I actually, know. it's hard. It's hard to lose track. But I mean, Jean during Jean Grey at the time, like, yes, yeah, she was in this cartoon. But so was Storm. Storm was just such a popular character and she continues to be a popular character for sure so i i love what they do and then especially when they do the um what happens down the line with the the amalgam comics i love that book um so dc versus marvel had an extremely public marketing campaign and released from april to may of 1996 while we didn't come across any actual sales figures, every write-up we found suggested the series padded many a cash register. And th that seems to belie its success because the crossover series saw a sequel in the form of DC Marvel All Access, as well as two waves of one-shots for the Am Amalgam Comics slide, which I, I pray every day they bring back because it was such a cool, fun idea. Now, these companies would rarely publicly cross over as often or in such a massive way, with the last big crossover between the two companies being JLA Avengers in 2004, as, well, both companies have become much more complicated corporate entities since 1996. Yeah, DC is, is all owned by Warner Brothers and and. AT&T and all of this sort of stuff. Marvels with Disney and Marvels with Disney, the House of Mouse. So there's really not much. The only way that I see us getting anything close to a, a crossover or an amalgam or anything like that is. 
if any of these characters entered the public domain, <laughs> which I think we're right. a while away from that, or uh, if uh, if one company ends up buying out the other again, which is also probably not likely to happen anytime soon. But let's. Yeah. Okay, it's, it's just a, it's it, well, I was to say it's it's a bummer because I really could see some really fun animated films coming from a relationship like that. And I remember I want to say about five or six years ago, they did some sort of commemorative JLA Avengers hardcover. And that went out of print almost immediately. Like, I think they I think both companies kind of agreed to let it happen. And reprint the the trade prep app in in a nice hardcover, and I think even those now go for hundreds of dollars. I can imagine like, it's, it, it's so it's, hard to find them. It's weird that these books coming out of the oversaturation of everything comics in the nineties are now nearly impossible to find legally because they're so right. rare by comparison to everything else, and they haven't been reproduced a hundred times. It's it's a uh, it, it's it's interesting to think about that. Um, yeah, it, it's it's wild. Now, you can still buy like the individual issues in, in decent enough. I mean, you're you're looking at anywhere from 18 to 40 bucks. Um, but if you want the the actual trade I think the trade goes for at least 150. Well, uh, let's let's get into into the these books. Uh, into this book, this first issue, DC versus Marvel Comics issue one, as we have a really awesome uh, cover to this. And uh, I don't know who did the cover art to these because they didn't. So, th- so the cover art is um, Dan Jurgens. OK, for, for number one, uh, Claudio uh, Castanelli uh, 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 Castellini did a lot of the interiors. Um, I had read that they had tried to get all of the big guns. They tried to get the Cuberts. The uh, they tried to get um, Neil Adams. They tried to get um, oh gosh, what's who's the guy that does all of the really great um, Alan, uh, Adam Hughes? They tried to get all of these kind of big, specifically styled artists, but I think at the end of the day, they wanted a uh, well, one all of those artists kind of said politely, "No, thank you." Yeah, but <laughs> I feel like they wanted to keep the book with a uniform look. And I think that was the right call. I agree. I just I wanted to say, because some of the some of the covers and some of the, the art looks a little Rob Liefeldish, Liefeld, Liefeld. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Uh, it's, but, uh, it was 1996. I think the pencils are good for the most part, but the the, the inking on this type of glossy paper sometimes didn't always look great. And I feel like the actual placement, especially the first issue where you have this big kind of schism of energy splitting a group of DC people and Marvel people. And it's a good shot. The pencils look good. But yeah, that 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 inking makes it look a little a little amateurish. But it also shows you the who's going to end up, you know, facing off against each other, which is which is yeah, fun. And everything's it, and paralleled perfectly. It's really it's a really fun look. Uh, and, and, you know, I like some of the matchup mashups that we're going to have the matchups, not mashups, matchups. Ah. Anyway, uh, so we're introduced to our, our friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, Ben Riley. Yes, this is in the Ben Riley era 
of the comics. My preferred Spider-Man. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, who has apparently recently returned to the uh, return to the fold as Spider-Man, and he's swinging around, and then he sees what looks like a hobo next to a giant rectangle of light. And he's transported to another dimension, we think. This is where things get a lot con- a little confusing because they don't actually explain what why any of this is happening in this first issue. That all lands in the second issue. It just yeah, looks like a, a guy with a shiny rectangle in an alley. Well, because they were trying to generate a lot of interest and a lot of mystique with this. So they didn't outright explain everything, despite how the, this, this comic book begins, which, which is... Spider-Man swinging across New York, openly in speech bubbles, explaining everything happening in front of his eyes. <laughs> there was no narration boxes, no thought bubbles. And this happened a lot in the in the 90s. These guys just talked to themselves. This happened a lot prior to like 2004. It just. Yeah. <laughs> and. I, I want to say that while I find it narratively dumb i also find it as someone who like lived for the time oddly charming it was it was such an age of of you know there's like the idea in 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 cinema of show don't tell well this has a lot of show and a lot of tell so i'm not exactly sure absolutely because they do some stuff the very next scene we see spider-man popped up in gotham city and the joker is just kind of looking at him like oh Hey, Spider-Man, because Joker remembers Spider-Man from the Batman Spider-Man crossover that happened the year before. But what Joker doesn't know is this is a different Spider-Man. But I love I love the fact that they they refer to prior crossovers. That's that's it's that's fun. fun for me. I keep wondering. Well, we'll we'll get to that in a little bit because uh, Spider-Man and Joker have a little weird standoff as joker threatens to blow up a building and and all of that and you know but because it's raining he's just like ah oh, never mind <laughs> fire, fireworks are no fun in the rain uh and of course he, he I, get, I like that more vaudeville joker that's the joker that i've always enjoyed uh, and and i i really enjoy the this is something that would be a very fun cut to see in live action or animation as the joker hands spider-man his card and it's just a joker playing card <laughs> And, we, and, it's, and, it's, and that, that playing card is done in that 50s or that 40s style of the Joker card. Yeah. And then the, you turn the page and you see that card lit up because all of a sudden it's Gambit of the X-Men. And it's like it's a fun transition. It's a really good one. I really like it. It's so good. And, and uh, X-Men Wolverine and Storm are, are pairing up, you know, you know, going off after the Juggernaut. And then the Juggernaut is hit with with a, a beam of gold light. And then all of a sudden... He's ramming the he's ramming the side of the Daily Bugle back in New York Daily City Planet. Or, or Daily Planet. Planet. Daily Bugle's in New York City. Daily Planet is Metropolis. in Metropolis. I'm getting all of these things confused. Um, this, 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 that's what happens. And, and <laughs> funnily enough, the people within the comic get very confused as to where they are. <laughs> So we get, um, so we get a little bit a little bit more of a of kind of a of a pre bout a little undercard bout and uh, the Superman's hair this is definitely ninety Superman hair where he's got a little bit of a he's a rec- mullet 
He's got a recovering mullet. Um, it's just looking a little little long right now, but uh, you know, he's good. Uh, I'm surprised Superman did not put a dent in the Juggernaut's helmet, but you know, maybe that's the gem of Ciderac or yeah. whatever. Yeah, exactly. I, but I also liked how like the, the way it's drawn, Juggernaut looks so surprised. This dude just knocked him on his butt. Like <laughs> it's great. And I think that's what that is. One of the fun aspects of this series is you get a couple little not even match us, but a couple little interactions that you would have never thought to, to do, like like Superman taking on Juggernaut. Yeah, it's it's I would not have put those two together because the Juggernaut is C-list at best. And Superman depends is, on, on the it, time period. And the super and Superman is king of the A-list. Yeah, I um, I, I enjoyed that. And I think the as far as like, OK, the next little bit, I think. Is more appropriate when you have the. Not the when you have Bullseye appearing in the Batcave and is flipped out. So he's like. You know, he grabs Tim Drake and is threatening Batman, which, you know, I love this scene because Tim is not super bothered and makes a move. And then Batman just wails him. And the one line that has stuck with me for 25 years. Yes, this is the 25th anniversary of this comic. Is. You hit harder than Daredevil for whatever reason, <laughs> the way that scene is constructed and the way that it's um, which drawn and and acted out is has always been burned into my brain. It's a really good scene. And there and, and, and Bullseye is shocked that Batman has dodged what he has thrown and 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 yeah, he complains about not missing before Colin Farrell did. <laughs> and and uh Tim kind of knocks him out and knocks gets out of the out of his 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 hold yeah, and, and he elbows him in the throat. It's 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 a good scene and I really enjoyed seeing that. Um I also like how Batman and Robin are written here, where Bruce is still kind of in the dominant dark night mode, but he's not as super dark. And they have that kind of classic Batman and Robin relationship a little bit. It's not, you know. Well, no, chum. But it's like, hey, you know, maybe you should have done that. And Robin quips, you know, hey, he wasn't poking you with a knife. Like they have this kind of sidekick and like master apprentice relationship. And I think that's something that we've lost in the last 30 years of Batman stories. Because because Batman hasn't had a real apprentice in a long time, but that's a whole other conversation. No. Uh, so so some other heroes that we see here: Captain America is fighting a bunch of Hydra guys when he gets hit with with the gold beam. Wonder Woman is saving a bridge from falling over when she gets hit with a gold beam. Uh, Bruce Banner as the Hulk. This Hulk says Hulk Smash at the very beginning, and then Bet- <laughs> Betty. Uh, is like, uh, don't you dare. Don't you dare say that. He's like, sorry, Betty. I know I'm not a raging monster anymore and I've got brains now. So we're getting just context of these characters and where they are today. Kind of like you have to do with with uh, with, you know, Spider-Man in this. Uh, we have I think they knew that some people did just read Marvel. So this gives you enough context to like, OK, this is this is this person's story. Got it. Yeah, uh, we have uh, Superboy. This is a leather jacket. Uh, uh circle best boy circle shades thigh belt superboy who <laughs> I've, I've got his figure around here somewhere i <laughs> 90s superboy is like one of my favorites uh, 
as much crap as I give 90s comics, some of the outfit choices were just the absolute best. And some were the absolute worst and some were both at the same time. But this also reminds me that, yeah, this Superboy, though he's technically the same as the other Superboy we see later on with the black T-shirt, right? Yes, uh, it's still uh, Connor Kent. He doesn't have super strength. He's got tactile telekinesis. Like he's got different powers that make it look like he's got these powers, which is so 90s silly. Yeah, because they they eventually went, no, he's got these powers. They just didn't develop. (laughs) Uh, And of course, we round that out with Lobo, which I wonder, I, I again, Lobo is a character that I am not super familiar with. He's popped up here and here and again and stuff that I've read, but he seemed very much like a 90s popular character, kind of like a I mean, he felt like Deadpool before Deadpool was a thing. Yeah, I mean, he's been around for a while, but like this was a time period where, yeah, Lobo was he had a solo book. He was he was a fairly popular. I mean, popular enough to be included in this, you know. Yeah. Um, he's he's a, he's an odd duck. I, I would put him in, in the same vein as a lot of the Suicide Squad characters. He's I wouldn't even call him B or C tier because you know he's always utilized as this big bad. In fact, there is currently a Superman versus Lobo comic book by the uh, DC Black Label out right now. There's that came all, out, I think, last week. There's also a comic focusing on Lobo and his daughter that is going on right now because Lobo's daughter has been a member of the Teen Titans recently. I love her. She is awesome. <laughs> uh, uh, then, of course, we have uh, all three of the X-Men that we have seen before. Uh, Jean Grey, not Jean Grey, Storm, uh, Gambit and Wolverine getting zapped with the yellow light. We've got Green Lantern, and this is the Kyle Rayner Green Lantern with his... Uh, the the best lantern with his special mask. Uh, we've got Electra. We've got Flash. Wally West Flash. Again, I have to remind myself of these best things Flash. because, you know, I, I entered comics after all of these things had been retconned. We have uh, maybe the most 90s looking character of all in this group, which is Thor. Uh, very 90s looking Thor. Thor, Thor went through some uh, many costume changes in the 90s. Um, I actually don't dislike how extra his suit is. Like for for that particular thing, it kind of works. Uh, one, one thing we didn't mention is that during this whole thing with with uh, Bullseye, Robin gets zapped. Tim Drake gets zapped and is popped into the dorm bedroom of uh, Husk and Jubilee, which is where Drew got his intro from because she keeps talking about how much she loves Robin's fashion sense. (laughs) But what I love about this scene is how Generation X is 100% unfazed by this random boy popping in the room whatsoever. Uh, If you read Generation X like I did, this kind of stuff seemed to happen all the time. So they... I love how Husk and Paige at like it's a Tuesday. (laughs) It's great. She's just like, hey, Jupes, did you uh, did you order a boy? (laughs) Amazon two day delivery. (laughs) Exactly. I and I mean, Jubilee is also one of my favorite uh, characters. So I I was happy that these two were matched up. I, 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 I conceptually into everything that I'm seeing in this book 25 years ago. And I I love that we then get just a cool montage of different fights and meetings happening. I mean, we've got Absorbing Man versus Steel, uh, 
Daredevil versus Riddler, Batman versus Venom, Doom versus Captain Marvel, a.k.a. Shazam, like stuff like that. It's awesome. I mean, ba- Batman versus Venom is so dope. Deathstroke uh, uh, versus, versus Punisher, Punisher yeah. is awesome. Uh, a freaking Etrigan. I, I feel like Deathstroke would probably wipe the floor with Frank Castle, unfortunately. Probably. probably. Etrigan versus uh, Ghost Rider is super dope. See, that is a book I would love to read. I would love to see those two actually interacting because I don't know if we get much of it. I mean, Everyone basically gets little moments in this book. And that's that's the for me, the disappointment of it being just a four issue miniseries is you want to spend some more time with some of this stuff. Yeah. And and, and I also love that not everything is a fight in these things. Uh, no. Doctor Strange and Starman just seem to be hanging out. Hawkman and and, and Angel are Angel. just flying just around. Flying around. They're just palling around. You know? Supergirl just... and She-Hulk are solving crimes together. <laughs> See, so one of the things we didn't mention was that one of the ideas was for there to be some trade-offs for a year after this. And one of the ideas that they had specifically remembered was that they wanted She-Hulk to be the DC Universe for a year. And can you imagine Jen Waters and what did she go by at this point? Linda Danvers, I think, uh, this version of Supergirl. Uh, this, this is the one that became an angel. Very weird story. Um, I would love to see those two palling around solving crimes together that just sounds like the best series ever yeah but that's not the only crossover that has happened in this miles because we have missed the one that surprised me the most oh what's that so we we are flashed back to whatever combination of new york city and gotham is happening we see the daily planet building in the foreground we see the fantastic four building in the background and then wouldn't you know it Perry White of the Daily Planet has been replaced as editor in chief. And who's the new editor in chief? <laughs> James J. Jonah, Jonah Jameson. And I love it. I love it so much. Oh, I love it because it's him yelling for Clark Kent and then yelling at Clark Kent. And it's great. It's absolutely wonderful. And I, I again, I would love a series of Clark and Ben palling around because, you know, they they're put on the same beat. And oftentimes they're like, I need to ditch this guy so I can get into my suit. And it's it's, yeah, it's just for the record, because, because if, if you haven't been if, keeping close attention, Ben Riley is Spider-Man right now. And he is hired on the Daily Planet as a new as a photographer to team up with Clark Kent. And it's so funny. And this is one thing that they that they haven't referenced yet is that Spider-Man and Superman have met and palled around with each other. So that, that is that is the interesting thing to me, because I I can't remember because I didn't read ahead um, if that is referenced, because I know that they used the Joker and referred to Spider-Man because that had recently been a crossover. Um, there were I think there were two Batman Spider-Man crossovers. And um, this one can't have just come out like the year before. So that one, it makes sense. I because of the weird because we talked about this when when they did the Superman Spider-Man thing, the weird 
canon of of that particular comic i i don't know if it's referred to or not and, and we'll see we'll see soon enough um and of course we do have as we end this issue we do have one last crossover that we have to talk about and that All is right. of course the crossover of the specter and the living tribunal uh the the specter sort of the I mean, in DC Comics, he's how do you describe the specter? He's kind of like a so, spirit of it, vengeance it, kind of thing. Yeah, he's a spirit of vengeance. But at this time, uh, both the specter and the living tribunal were these creatures that were. Yeah, I call them creatures were these entities that were tapped into the universal energy of their their respective universes, which is why they were utilized as being the ones that are kind of keyed into these entities that were introduced to at the end of this issue that get explained in issue two. Um, I think that'd be the best way initially. Yes. He was a spirit of vengeance and was more of a creature of the underworld or, or relating to uh, spirituality. But at this point in, in DC, he was more of a universal entity. And, and that's going to take us to the last page of this first issue. And I think, and I think we're just going to go all out and, and just get right into it with issue two, this gigantic, seemingly blue being with red accents and a red being with blue accents as their fingers nearly touch. And what is that? <gasps> but they look pretty cool. I don't know. They, they also the little transformers. <laughs> They do look a little bit like Transformers of the 1990s. It's true. Uh, <laughs> so so to, to, to kind of scoot through the the story as it's told, even though there are some fun things that that I uh, I want to talk about. Uh, we we are introduced to back. We're back in we're back in hobo cardboard box land uh, at the very beginning of issue two as we start to learn about what's going on and, and these two entities who are not named at this point right unless i missed that completely they're not named no uh and and, and these two entities are siblings or brothers or cosmically connected but they also they're, they're siblings yeah but they also hate each other and want to fight and destroy each other and well, they're, they want they want to they want to show that their superiority and and that's the weird thing. So basically, both of these creatures are essentially gods and they both create their own universes. But in, in the in the Big Bang or the schism uh, of the universes, they forgot one another existed. And now that they have somehow we're never we're never getting a proper explanation as to why. They discover one another's existence and they remember they want to pit the, the, their creations against one another because they believe that their perspective universes are the superior one. And so that this contest, which apparently goes into every single every, creature's head Every in single human, uh, or at least every single being in these universes knows what's about to happen and knows that their universe is potentially about to win or lose this fight, which is, which is pretty interesting. Um, we do have some more undercard matches. Uh, Thanos versus Darkseid, which is dope. I love it. It's such so a cool dope. idea. I also love that at one point, Darkseid calling out Thanos for being a ripoff of him. Yes, uh, I think. I uh, thought that this, we, this series does such a good the, job with these little inside jokes. 
I wager you pale imitation of me that you will lose. I love it so much. It's so, it's so good because Dark Side's cooler than Thanos. Fight me. Um, no, we'll, he is. We'll, we'll, pit mean, our, he... we'll pit our universes against each other. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree that Dark Side uh, generally is cooler than Thanos. Unfortunately, the, the, that is not true in in the cinematic universes. Um, so we have a we have a few more uh, a few more like mini skirmishes and I don't really want to go over in too much detail because we got to get to the big fights uh, which are which are fun. I do have to say my favorite cameos of this is a guy goes into a store looking for X Men merchandise, but all he sees is Warner Brothers merchandise. There's a Pinky all and the Looney Brain Tunes, statue. And the it's it's all, great, and, and I guess Pinky and the Brain was on TV at this point, so yeah. uh, it was it was all all new. Uh, Bane trying to break the Captain America, <laughs> only great, for great great scene because they. They were so smart to draw basically the mirror of him trying to break the Batman. And Bane is is monologuing about, ha ha, you threw away your only uh, offensive uh, weapon against me, which is his shield. Not understanding that the shield was going to be coming back and Cap threw it so hard that when it conks Bane's head, it just smashes his head into the ground. It's a great scene. It's really good. And now... Now, no more backtalk from you. Sounds like a very 90s Captain America. Yeah, um, it's it's wonderful. You've got Nightwing and Batman versus Wolverine and and Gambit, who in turn oh, God, steal, steal the Batmobile, which is so great. I and had then, to, I, I had to read this line, Miles. I had to read this line multiple times. Exactly what to I remember <laughs> the context. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I told you to buy the club, but no. <laughs> and I'm like, what club? Are they talking about the Warner Brothers store? That oh, the anti-theft, anti-car yeah. theft device, the club. It's so good. That it's thing so that good. hasn't existed for 20 years now. It's it's one because. Yeah, it's 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 hilarious that they're they're using this this reference, but also like typically know the, that that batman's security is a little bit better and so it either speaks volumes to wolverine and gambit's ability to break into something or just that batman just didn't lock the car well not only that but batman's like well now we can easily track them to see where they're going because it's my car and i know exactly where it is at all times <laughs> right we don't know that um, he uh, a little, I, I a little, enjoy this moment of levity. Yes, and and also during this whole thing, and they're worried about Robin. To flashback to to Robin sitting on Jubilee's bed with with her complimenting his sense of fashion again, uh, which is pretty great. Uh, so yeah. so let's let's flash forward to some of these fights because we're about to get into these fights really quickly mm-hmm. now. So we have uh, the the red guy and the blue guy. Uh, one representing Marvel, one representing DC, and there are a bunch of one-on-one matches between individual uh, combatants from these universes. And now they know that some of the people in the in these fights are going to be very e- difficult to take down. Somebody like Superman is going to be extremely difficult to take down. So it's not who is killed or defeated; it's just who is pinned first. Yeah, they, they're kind of using wrestling rules. And so who's ever pretty much knocked down 
in a sense. But yeah, pinned is the best way to put it because they mentioned earth wrestling rules. And I was like, okay. I mean, as someone who's a fan of wrestling and literally was just watching a wrestling pay-per-view two days ago, I get it. But <laughs> and, and even at this time, I mean, wrestling was a pretty big deal. Um, so I think it's an easy way to get anyone who, because this is a comic that would have gotten any person who's ever liked any of these characters off the streets to come and buy an issue because, oh, that's cool. Batman's doing what? You know, Captain America's fighting whom? Like, that's that's cool. It gets people to buy your book. So I, I think that's a good way to kind of universally, you know, communicate how these fights go. For and sure. As, as, as basically souped up wrestling matches is the best way to put them. And the first one we get properly is Thor versus Captain Marvel, which which I was I have to clarify. This Captain Marvel is DC's Captain Marvel, more commonly known today as Shazam. As Shazam, which I just, always if I am being called Captain Marvel, I, I like him being called Captain Marvel as well. But uh, but if we call him Shazam, it's just for the point of clarification, because Captain Marvel yes. on the Marvel side did exist at this time, is not in this book. Also, isn't Carol Danvers at this time? I believe. Also, yeah, she is still Miss Marvel at this time. I believe. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, I, I gotta say, I was pretty disappointed in this fight. So why? I want to hear that because I, I, I didn't love this fight either because I, I also think, and no offense to to Captain Marvel, Shazam, or Thor, but I don't see either of them as super interesting characters necessarily that I want to see fight. Captain, so Captain Marvel had a surge of popularity in the early to mid nineties. So it makes sense that he was in this book and Thor. I mean, this is what I've always said. I've always said, I thought the Avengers were pretty boring growing up because the X-Men was where it was at. And this is a perfect example of like, Thor is still an iconic character. He's still around, but it's like, he's just this, they just didn't know what to do with them. The, the, like, the Thor, Thor in the past had, he was a character that picked up the hammer and turned into Thor. He was like a doctor during the day and he'd pick up a hammer and become Thor. They have transitioned out of that by this point. He also does not look like a cool Norse God. He looks like he's, he's, he looks like the cover of a nineties metal album. Yeah. He's like, he's got like sci-fi armor, but still a midriff and it looks kind of, kind of weird, but I can see why they pitted these two against each other because Thor, hundred percent Thor is a God. He's a Norse God. Captain Marvel has the, has the power of the Greek gods, the, has the power of, of, of the Greek gods, the strength of Hercules, the wisdom of Zeus, the speed of Mercury and, and so on and so forth. And, their powers are both very much tied to lightning, which I think is interesting. Yeah. And I think what makes this one kind of a whimper and not a bang is they don't really, they don't really have much of a fight. Um, the they, fight lasts get, like, about two pages. Yeah. You got a, you got a splash panel of like a combat and then <sighs> Thor throws his hammer. Uh, so uh, Captain Marvel gets pinned under all of this rubble but he turns to Billy Batson because he can kind of squeeze his way out of it and when he calls down the lightning of Shazam once more Thor seeing the lightning is like ha well guess who controls lightning throws Milner at it and that blast somehow knocks out Billy Batson and sends Milner flying elsewhere and ending the fight and I just kind of felt it it felt like a 
a non-issue. It felt like it felt a little more one-sided than I expected to see out of that, especially because I've watched Captain Marvel fight Superman and do exceptionally well. But again, yes, Superman's powers are not based on lightning. And I I love what happens next in that Mjolnir charged with oh, yeah. the charged with the power of of Shazam flies uh flies away and lands in front of you know who Wonder Aurora Woman Monroe. baby Wonder Woman who is uh, oh, yeah, so it's not a roll out um yeah it's it's in front of Wonder Woman I I love this scene because Wonder Woman reads the the inscription on the hammer and is just contemplating the semantics of the hammer Worthy, worthy is an awfully subjective term. Yeah, like, she's, that, she's also like, if he be worthy, <laughs> it's, it cracks me up. And obviously you you see her pick up the hammer and um, a big flash happens. And then you turn the page and you get teases of Aquaman versus Submariner and Flash versus Quicksilver. Yeah, one of these fights I loved and one of these fights I liked slightly less. But still like, OK, let, let me guess. You loved Aquaman versus Quick uh, for Submariner and Light Flash versus Quicksilver less. Yes, uh, that that is correct. Yeah. Um, the Aquaman Submariner fight is great. Both of these kings are just throwing insults at each other the entire time and making like. They're acting as if they are the voice of the fans, and I think that's super fun. It's it's Aquaman being his 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 best and 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 Submariner has always been kind of a, a haughty, you know, because these two really mirror each other. They're both kings He's of Atlantis. D-bag. Yeah. Namor has always been a D-bag. <laughs> they, they're both kings of Atlantis in their own worlds, in their own universes. Uh, this is um, a hook hand Aquaman. Uh, and that's that's that era of Aquaman. But he's he's got the long hair, but he's he's swimming around and quipping like Spider-Man does. It's it's really funny. And and it ends with maybe the best thing as, <laughs> as Aquaman uh, just sort of catches Namor off guard and then drops a whale on him. <laughs> it's it's great. I also love that uh, Namor says like, um oh gosh what was it it's it's one another great line where he's making kind of a a self uh deprecating comment and um he's like you know at the at worst i am morose he's like but you're just downright insufferable (laughs) (laughs) um i i thought that was that was just absolutely great and I, I do want to actually dial back. There's one thing I really did like about the um, Shazam Thor battle is that they both give each other time to kind of have this little prayer beforehand and pray to their gods. Yeah. And I thought that was a re- one awesome looking splash page, but also just a really cool moment. And they both and I, and they both are openly respectful of each other, knowing that they don't want to have to fight, but they but neither of them can see a way through it at that point. Right. And and I love seeing these these differences of personalities because, you know, both Aquaman and Submariner seem pretty happy to fight and just insult each other. Yes. And Quicksilver and Flash the same way. I mean, Quicksilver's also been a little bit of a a, a, a jackhole and so like 
Well, Quicksilver, Flash... Quicksilver was a member of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Let's let's not forget. He right. might be a good guy now, but he was a bad guy before. <laughs> right. And the fact that, you know, Flash tries to help out some people who uh, basically run afoul of their their fight. And Quicksilver tries to pounce on Flash because he weakened himself by helping to save these people. Um, I, I really think this fight was always decided because, well, this is who we have as a speedster uh, on the Marvel <laughs> side, because Flash does win and should have won. I mean, 90s Flash is probably the fastest Flash that there has ever been. And... Yeah, there's there's just no way that that Quicksilver, that Quicksilver. wins that one. I I I also I love I have to sh- to to talk about a couple of panels. One panel, the, the two panels where they're punching each other, and it's just all of the the fists coming around mm-hmm. from the different sides of the screen as if they're all just or different sides of the panel. Excuse me, because it's a page. Um, as if they're they're punching super fast. It just it it really works, and you see all the different angles, and it's really it's really nice. I like that a lot. Um, yeah. And then we get the so one thing that that is has been hinted at in the first issue was that the da- the Daily Planet has a mysterious new owner, and that's who fired Perry White. And we find out in this one that the new owner of the Daily Planet is none other than Wilson Fisk himself. The, the Kingpin. Kingpin. Uh, and no, although I, <laughs> when, when when Ben calls him that, he goes, my name, sir, which I just I love. how I love how the way some of these these characters are written in the 90s. My name, sir, is Wilson Fisk. <laughs> uh, and also, I and do it, have to point out that uh, Ben thinks that that Lois is into him. <laughs> and yeah, and she's like, nice guy. No Clark, of course. It's very, yeah, very I, funny. I, I love that. And I love that that they start talking about how. Things happen on Earth as they likely would if this were to be a reality, where people start taking bets on who is going to win and what the odds are. Um, and and that gets exacerbated, I think, in the future issues. I can't remember. Um, <laughs> and the issue ends with Thanos and Darkseid facing off each other. And then we have this great big image of Wonder Woman holding the hammer of Thor. And it's because, of course, Wonder Woman is worthy. (laughs) You don't even have to guess of any of the people that could pick that up. It's going to be Wonder Woman. And that's going to be that's going to be it. So at the end of issue two, DC is up by one with Flash beating Quicksilver and Aquaman defeating the Submariner. But they're not out yet because Thor defeated Captain Marvel. Uh, so, so Miles, this is where I want to take a few minutes because we're getting about to the hour mark here. I want to go through the the next the the rest of the bouts and i want to give I, some predictions i literally was going to to suggest the exact same thing <laughs> so so unfortunately our 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 history uh spoiled this one we've got hulk versus superman i think superman's going to take that one because he's superman hulk is strong maybe strongest but superman stronger always um Captain America versus Batman. I might have put Captain America for this, but Batman is who I want to win. So that's who I'm going to to pick. Um, Similarly, Storm and Wonder Woman. This one is complicated because this one feels like the opportunity for them to fight a little bit. But these are going to be the two that break through and and 
start to realize a little more of what's going on. Um, I, I think this fight's this I, uh, one of the more me- memorable ones for some people. I think it was this kind of the sleeper hit because uh, it was just such a cool idea. And you see the nobility of both of these women just I mean, it's it's a great I would have loved to see this animated. A hundred percent for sure. Um, uh, so I, I, who do you have on Spider-Man versus Superboy? See the Battle of the Clones. Uh, Battle of the Clones. So I've I've wait I'm pretty weighted in DC so far of the three picks I've I've had because I think that Superboy is probably stronger as a character physically, but I think that Spider-Man it could outsmart him. I think Spider-Man's smarter than Superboy and okay. will figure something out. Um Wolverine and Lobo, I think they're just going to drink and and give up. Um, <laughs> Jubilee and Robin, I feel like there might be sparks flying, but uh, not... You, you know that because of me. <laughs> yeah, but bec- not... Yeah, you got to give that one away. But not because of a battle, but because of... Oh, some smooches. Uh, some smooching. Electra versus Catwoman. <sighs> This was a wild, another another wild choice to have. Um, I, I love it because you have both femme fatales. Why I kind of wanted it to be, and I think one of the writers said I would have preferred it been Daredevil versus Batman, but Captain America was the more popular choice at the time. Um, and you I can have totally to see that. And you have to include Captain America because who else do you include? Although Iron Man didn't make it into this, so. Well, and this is what I tell yeah. a lot in the of, 90s, some of our friends in the nineties. One the- of our co- <laughs> yeah one of our co-hosts who seems to forget that, that this there was an era where iron man was pretty much considered lame he, he just was i mean i he had his fans he was an iconic character but a lot of these avenger characters in the 90s were just especially in the early to mid 90s were just not seen as cool you had venom you had the x-men you had these not even newer characters but newer iterations of these characters that were just more appealing to the younger audiences and that's what sold i would have liked to have seen a batman versus venom fight but an actual one not just a splash panel that we saw actually did see an issue in one of these issues um i'm gonna get to see that fight too i'm gonna give the fight to electra because i think she's probably the more skilled warrior than catwoman and i think they're both about equally as sneaky even though of course i prefer catwoman uh and same thing silver surfer versus green lantern i think that the power cosmic might have it against uh, a, a green, single green lantern ring. A, 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 yeah. Single green lantern ring, even if it is the last one in existence, which was it even I'm at tr- this I, point. <laughs> I think, I think it was at this point. Yes. Uh, I was trying to remember. It's like, is it at this point? I can't remember. Um, so yeah, these are, these are some cool, cool ideas. Now, some of these fights, I'm a little, you know, I was like, oh, these these are interesting. Like Hulk and Superman. I don't know if if Hulk would be my go to to put against Superman. But but who, but who else do you put at against the time? Superman? Who else do you do? Like, do you, do you do you bring out Hyperion, who no one knew at the time? Yeah. Um. You know, I I I get the choice to like who's stronger, Hulk or Superman. I get that. That's a lunch table conversation, and that's what's kind of cool, and that's kind of why I was kind of hoping for. A, a Daredevil Batman, I think the there are two, you know, the Devil of Hell's Kitchen versus the Dark Knight that that writes itself. But 
you got to have these icons. you got to have Captain America against somebody. If he's not going to fight Superman, he's got to fight Batman. Yeah, he's got to fight one of the big two because he's one, one, one of the, the big names. Uh, and 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 I know we're going to probably see other pages of other fights that are just happen to be happening or going on or or, or something like that. But yeah. but this is this is the card. And if I think about it, Superman, Batman, uh, I think Wonder Woman's a better fighter than Storm. But I I don't I think this is going to end in a tie. I'm still going to give it to Wonder Woman, uh, Spider Man, tie on Wolverine, Lobo, tie on Jubilee, Robin, Electra. And then Silver Surfer. See, I'm I'm at three and three, man. <laughs> I'm at three and three. This yeah, is... Jubilee, Jubilee Robin. I, I even at the time, despite being a massive fan of both Tim Drake and Jubilation Lee, I was still so shocked that this was on the card. I was like, this is not at all what I expected. <laughs> I'm very happy with what they get. They gave to me. I I was supposed to commission um the the co creator of um, Dazzler Thor for doing a a scene with those two, but uh, it just didn't happen over the convention that we were at. He got so far behind. And um, so he was like, you know, just keep your money and sorry. <laughs> but um, I, it's interesting to to see this now. And I don't know if I should ask you this now um, or or next week, but just because we have the list in front of us, what alterations would you make if you were casting DC versus Marvel now? Ooh, that's difficult. You know, it's funny. I look at Wolverine Lobo and I questioned that decision, but also they both have healing factors. I can see where they they're where, both wild cards. They're both wild cards. Yeah. They, they, they're both like that. Um, hmm. I might have actually pit uh, Spider-Man versus Robin. I know that seems weird because Spider-Man is extremely strong, but Robin is very clever you know it's so funny a lot of people wanted dick grayson versus ben riley um uh, that, both people that would have been great ahead. that would have been great yeah both people trying to fill massive shoes in this legacy both beloved characters i i think that would have been good i would have scratched i mean i'm not gonna scratch jubilee and robin i'm just not gonna do it i would have scratched electra and catwoman yeah uh, they if, just... if, we're, if we're if we're doing it now i'd probably do wonder woman versus captain marvel Yes, today's Marvel, Captain Marvel. Uh, yes. Carol Danvers. Yes, I think that would be a, a good matchup. Um, I would I would still do something with Storm, I think. I can just, it, maybe we'll, 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 we'll think on this for, for next week to, to come up with a, a, different, a different card. Storm basically. versus Weather Wizard. Storm would wipe the floor with Weather Wizard. That, that, that would be a, a cute little story in between the battles. That would be a, a worth of a promo, basically. And, and, There'd be no. You may as well put Daredevil versus the Condiment King. Yeah, no, that you're you're totally right about that. I think if you're casting <laughs> if you're casting this today, you also do uh, Black Panther v Batman. Hmm. Um, just, just, they, they have, a, they have a similar enough look that they even make that joke in some of the Lego games, <laughs> specifically when Black Panther is introduced in one of the Lego Marvel games, they make it oh, look like funny. it's Batman for a second before, uh, before it jumps out as Black Panther. I would bring in some of the milestone folks. So I would probably put in, oh, I mean, it's maybe not a Superboy, but, um, 
I would do like, like um, I'm trying to think of a, of a of a good. I want I want to put Static Shock in there somewhere. Yeah. So see, Static versus Storm could be interesting. Oh yeah, that would be cool. Or Static versus Thor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I like that. I like that. Especially that Thor that's kind of like the the more recent Thor that's kind of a little bit more um, unsure of himself in so, in some ways. Um, I, I think, yeah, I think Static versus Thor would be awesome. You know, Miles, it, um, it occurs to me at this point that we're having a lot of conversations about who we might cast in our own DC versus Marvel, Marvel versus DC. You know, maybe we ought to save some of that for a future episode. <laughs> well, so the pitch I, I, I'm envisioning, we, I'm leaving that up to you. Um, just pitching a DC Marvel crossover. It doesn't have to be a versus, but... Yeah, I, I think that would be absolutely awesome. Um, and it's something we could talk more about next week. Um, so what what are your initial impressions on DC versus Marvel as a miniseries right now? So far, uh, the first episode, the first episode, the first issue was very heavy in its storytelling, despite the fact that mm-hmm. it didn't really tell you anything. Um, and then outs- and then once you get onto the second issue, the fights they focused on were not the fights I wanted to see. Um, and it's also very a comic very much of its time in the, the mid nineties. So I don't love it, but I do love the idea of it. And mostly because it's just something that, as we talked about earlier in the episode, just something that wouldn't happen today. That, that would be so difficult to, to, to do or put together. And, and that's really, uh, that, that's really where it stands right now. I'm excited to see the big guns. I want to see what they're doing with, with wonder woman and Thor's hammer, because of course she can pick it up. Cause it's, she's, she's worthy. I'm, I'm, you know, dark side Thanos, not on this scorecard, not on the scoreboard. And you know, something's going to happen between the two of them, whether they fight or whether they team up, I don't know, but I'm excited to see it because I I like Darkseid a lot and I want to see him uh, see him win against Thanos uh, uh, or or put Thanos into his employ. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm 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 super I, I honestly like I I would change a lot of things. I would actually not make this a four issue miniseries. I would probably space this out a little bit to afford a lot of these interactions and just some some character moments. Um, we get a couple of superficial ones, but mostly it's just this is this is a summer blockbuster. And so you get four issues and you get action um, in term in, in, in the blockbuster movie terms, because, yes, you do have a lot of heavy exposition. But once this thing starts moving, it starts moving at a pretty brisk pace. And I, I, w- I wish this was like either eight to 12 issues to give everything time to breathe and maybe I, give some of these fights entire issues i i could see that but i could also just see it to being six just to to give it a six, little more six would room. be fine too i would be also be okay with a six hour miniseries <laughs> <laughs> we'll see oh. on uh what's funny is that they do that miniseries it'll somehow end up on paramount plus just <laughs> something <laughs> silly like that as as as, as the neutral ground <laughs> so with that said gang that's gonna wrap up our conversations on issues one and two 
of DC versus Marvel. Next week, we will be back with issues three and four rounding out the series itself. But that's not all we're going to talk about with this. And you just wait to see, uh, as you always know, that we will be back to talk about that. So in the meantime, if you would like to reach out to us, you can find us at themoreyourneard.com. You can tweet to us at themoreyourneard. Uh, you can go online to Twitter, Twitter at uh, at themoreyourneard, which I just said, facebook.com slash themoreyourneard. That's what I meant to say. And you can find us themoreyounerd.threadless.com, themoreyounerd.threadless.com for some dope swag, as they say in the States. Uh, so with that said, Miles, let's end the show as we always do with a rousing nerd versus out. out.